I'm, of course, your host, Michael Schluger, and oh my goodness, do we have an amazing show for you guys today. This is episode, did I mention this episode 276? It's episode 276. Um, let me introduce the crew. Uh, we have Sandy Chen. Hi. Uh, Josh Irwin. Greetings. How's it going, my friend? Good. And Jay Rich. What's up, guys? How's it going, man? So, uh, and we have a special guest that will be joining us very, very shortly uh, because Sandy is uh, doesn't have that much time today. But I did want you here, Sandy, because a bit of news came out that I knew you'd want to talk about. Um, the Witcher has been announced as a, a new Netflix exclusive series uh, coming out. I think they said uh, when 2018. Did they give a date? Mm, I'm not sure. I think, I think it's next year. Probably, I, I would imagine it's next year. Uh, and Sandy, you actually worked on this game yeah. as a as a writer. Um, so, you know, what's what's your take on all this? Are you excited to to see The Witcher? You know, on Netflix is is this something you ever expected to happen? You know, they had a show before that was called The Hexer in Poland, which is supposedly terrible. So hopefully <laughs> Netflix will um, do it justice. And it's um, going to be based on the book series, which uh, people who have played the game probably recognize uh, some of the characters and the situations. It won't be so unfamiliar. And also the books have been out on Amazon, so a lot of people might have heard them. You were going in that a little bit there, but I think you caught most of it. Oh, um, sorry. It's, it's not your fault. I was going to ask you this. This is a weird thing because it's it's coming to Netflix not because the books are super popular. The books haven't really sold that well outside of Poland, uh, which is obviously you know the native country. Um, it's clearly been made more popular because of the video game series. Um, and uh, obviously, in the past, things based on video games haven't done well, generally speaking. Like, usually, you, it's you will shut your mouth about the 1985 or 1989 Super Mario Brothers movie, sir. <laughs> you will just calm down right now. <laughs> I think I think probably the the thing that did commercially the best was probably the Tomb Raider movies. I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, although maybe the Resident Evil combined has done well. As a, as a cumulative thing, yeah. but um, do you really think that they're gonna that they're gonna base it on Lara Croft Tomb Raider number one, Angry Birds movie number two? So there you go. There's okay. your top two. But just That's because they have sequels doesn't mean it was great movies. So <laughs> that just means it made enough money. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, do you think that uh, the you know that they're gonna take from the video games as opposed to the to the novels because everyone knows the character much, much more from the video games than from the novels. And how much of a, of a difference know, is there if you know it, if you know about it? Um, well, uh, obviously the character is the same. And sure. I think that they have, you know, sort of the Lord of the Rings had like a video game based on the books and one based on the movies. So we will know the property and I think that the reason why The Witcher is, you know, such a great world is because it is based on a book series and there's like a lot in the world. Mm. So um, there will be a lot of familiar um, situations, like I said, like, first of all, the, like The Witcher 1 reflects on a lot of things that happened in the book series, even though it's not really from book series. Um, so lots of characters are the same. In fact, the first um, opening was uh, the princess and everything. That's a short story mm. that is purely from, um, it's not published in, I believe they started publishing from book three. Mm-hmm. So the first book um, of the Witchers uh, is really the series of short stories. I see. And that's one of the short stories inside that book. So, so a lot we- of it's taken from the canon. When you were when you were writing for the game, I assume you read the source material, right? Actually, I could not because it was in Polish. I see. But I did read some of the short stories because Atari had some translations, and I did uh, talk with the developers, and I did find out that several of the scenes, like the party scene, was like reflecting some of the um, uh, very popular scenes that happened in the book series. So, so they were already riffing off of the book series when they 
made the first Witcher. So I have a question. They so some of the in the Witcher series in the video games, like some of those characters weren't in the book series, right? Like was Triss in the book series? Yeah, yeah. Was she? Because like wasn't her whole thing that like this happened after, so they want to introduce another love interest other than Jennifer. I thought I read that somewhere. Um, some of the, uh, like Dandelion and some of those characters are like characters that were interested in him. Yeah. They were. Oh, okay. Yeah. Though so, I mean, there were some probably like Alvin is probably not in there. <laughs> um, there are probably some new ones in there. Uh, mm. There are lots of different characters and, in the Witcher game series, uh, but uh, you know the main characters. A lot of the fans wanted some of these old characters to come back. So <laughs> the Yennefer came back. It was not she was not in the first game. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So they hired the CG house, right? That uh, did the game cutscenes. Is that right? Um, if they did, then it's because they're familiar with it. I, I mean, I yeah. don't know really. Um, just, but I, I would say for Netflix, it's it's a good thing they won't have a whitewashing controversy. Right. True. True. I'm really curious to see how much, if if uh, any involvement, CD Projekt Red will have with the project because I feel like it. You know, they were really going for a very cinematic feel to the games. Even if you look at the first Witcher, um, you had a lot of cinematic overtones. Um, when that was still, you know, kind of new to video games. I, not new, I but not used as often. I can't imagine CD Projekt Red will have a lot of direct involvement uh, because that that IP, like the rights for the, for the book series, for the video games, hmm. were something totally separate from the rights for like TV and movies. Right. And, and uh, the author doesn't like CD Projekt Red, so... Yes, he has a bit of a dispute with them. Um, so I, I have a feeling that they... Other than didn't I think I heard something too that they were going to hire a writer that left CD Projekt Red, but like I don't think that that I think that's different. Interesting. Um, I would love to talk about this more, but unfortunately we are very short on time because I want to bring in our special guest, Sandy. Thank you so much uh, yes. for joining us. We're going to be watching this one closely, and uh, I expect a, a review from you, obviously once. Oh, well, and it's wait, not, I... not like not like I'm not giving you homework. <laughs> I'm saying I. I am looking forward to hearing your opinion once the series comes out and how faithful you feel it is to the uh, to the series. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's always great to be here. Absolutely. We will see you soon. Right. Bye. Um, and now our special guest. Uh, we are very pleased to welcome Yahel from Wrestling with Gaming, the YouTube channel Wrestling with Gaming. Uh, Yahel, thank you so much for joining us. Oh yeah, my my pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about your uh, YouTube channel just a little bit later uh, in the show. Um, it has to do has to do with uh, gaming history, chronicling mm-hmm. gaming history, and he has some fantastic videos. I highly recommend the uh, 3DO one and the uh, Superman 64 one, uh, which well, is. Might I disagree. I mean, <laughs> and and I have to say he has a trailer up um, for the Power Glove, which. Mm-hmm. Has me psyched. I want to see. I want to see that full one as well. But we're going to get to all of that. Uh, we actually have a bit of gaming news that we need to catch up on. Uh, so I'm going to jump into it real quick. Uh, let me just uh, see. We got Witcher's done. We're going to skip the uh, Max Q thing from Nvidia because no one cares. But let us. Nvidia cares. Nvidia cares. That's... I, I, I was going to say the Maybe. one thing about the Max Q because I, I read all the articles. And uh, that they sit over and the picture of the CEO in the Ars Technica article is incredible. He looks like a, he's always in that outfit. Is he really? I've never seen him before. He's, I, I've read his name, but yeah, yeah. So the CEO of Nvidia like loves to get this like tough guy. Um, he's definitely in, trying for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you I'm I, I would be surprised if he doesn't have like a novelty Twitter account at this point. But uh, if you Google him, if you Google like NVIDIA CEO Titan X, you'll see he's dressed in almost like the identical outfit yeah, when he was introducing like the Titan. Like he's, like he's doing like a terrible like Jack Reacher co- cosplay or something. <laughs> like <laughs> Terrible or great? Let's be I mean, I, you know, I feel like Jack Reacher is actually doing NVIDIA CEO cosplay at this point. That's maybe that, yeah, maybe that's what it is. how tough he looks. By the way, here, I just want to, I, I, I Googled it for you. You're welcome. 
And it's just, just so everyone can see the link that I'm it's it's one to one. It's yeah. like the, the yeah. 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 <laughs> anyway, that, that was the most interesting to me, thing to me about the Max Q article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um the 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 short the short version is basically like NVIDIA's doing like nicer gaming laptops. It's it, they're introducing specs that they want right. across various manufacturers to make nicer gaming laptops. But it's not that crazy of a story. So we're gonna skip it. Um I do want to talk about uh let's talk about uh this Google announcement uh for a fully tracked standalone VR headsets. This was really interesting to me. Um obviously, you know, uh Google released uh, uh Daydream. Right. Um and that that hasn't done well, I would say. Would would you guys would you guys agree with me on that? I mean, it's as niche as the Gear VR, um, yeah. mm-hmm. but the Gear VR was already established, and there just wasn't a whole lot of room, I think, for that. Right. So, device. but like what I read of it wasn't super, you know, uh, I, I I didn't read any gushing reviews of it. It's it's made of cloth, uh, but because it's made of cloth, light comes through it much more easily, right. um, and the control they introduced a controller about yay big to help with motion tracking, but now the Gear VR is doing basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is really interesting to me, this announcement. So uh, this is going to be, and you know, the Daydream also, you slot it in your, your cell phone. And when it was released, it was only compatible with the Pixel, uh, which is Google's own phone. Right. Um, and they were going to, I think the new LG phone is compatible as well. Um, I don't know if there's any other phones out there that work with it. There might be. Uh, but this is really interesting. So this is standalone. Um, it does, you're not plugging in your cell phone into this. This is just a one and done kind of situation. Um, and the question becomes, how powerful is this thing going to be? What is it capable of? Um, and the question I kind of want to toss out there is obviously – Right now, neither the Rift nor the Vive have standalone, although there's a mod pack for the Vive. If this comes out, uh, when is this slated? 2017, I think they said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's later this year. Um, do you think this might be the thing that kickstarts VR into the mainstream, or this isn't enough? I, I, I don't know, because like there, there was so little information about it. That, that it's difficult to tell, but like like you said, my first thought was, okay, but what, how much power does this have? Right, you know, right. There's very little detail in it. I don't know if maybe they're going to take, you know, sort of maybe more of a Nintendo approach where they concentrate more on, you know, game mechanics or software mechanics and application rather than the power behind it, you know, but I, I don't know. I mean, if I'm someone who is just kind of like um, peripherally thinking about getting into VR and I read that article, I... There's nothing in there, or even the little teaser they have for. There's nothing in there to me that says, "Oh, okay, this is the next big thing," or right. even, "I'm gonna, I should keep an eye on this." Yeah. So, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. So, I mean, realistically, this thing is going to be precisely as powerful as your phone, with possibly better display technology. Uh, but then you have to remember that that uh, little Cortex processor or whatever that's in it is going to be doing all the inside out tracking, which has got to hog some system resources. Right. So touching on that, uh, obviously the Vive and the Oculus, you position cameras and the cameras are tracking you. This is the opposite. It's inside mm-hmm. out. So it's, yep. it's got sensors on the headset that are figuring out where you are within the w- real world. So you don't need cameras, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of cool, right? So you can, you know, you're sort of, I could see this at a lot of corporate events. I could see this at like maybe uh, like a party room type dealio, right? Because everything else, you're more or less tethered to your to your tower for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, you know, uh, and the problem with the phone one is, I, I'm sure. I, have you guys used the Gear VR? It overheats mm-hmm. really fast, like fifteen. Oh, I haven't minutes. had a problem with it. Yeah, but. Yeah, it overheats. You basically have to like turn off all the functions of your phone to sort of maximize the amount of time you could spend with the headset on. You're not going to spend an hour in, in the headset. It's really more for 
short jaunts and most of the content on there is is intended for you know like curated for short jaunts into vr as opposed to like you know prolonged gaming sessions that you might have with the oculus or the rift uh but you know obviously google has the has that name recognition and they certainly have the funds that they could sink into making this a thing um, well the other thing that google has is the love of creating stuff and not really having to worry about whether it succeeds so mm-hmm. that's true they always seem to make stuff and then it just kind of like fizzles and they just keep it moving it's weird right i mean and not really they're really more interested in like because you can see like a lot of stuff that google makes like you'll see the technology like or bits of it crop up over the next like 10 years as people do it better google mm-hmm. like a lot of it's just like hey we made this thing uh well it's not good enough for people to buy yet because the technology just doesn't exist. But in a couple of years, you know, we'll sell off one part of the IP to someone and make another bajillion dollars. So, yeah. Well, and I mean, honestly, like the gear VR is still the cheapest way to get into VR. So I don't, I don't see this thing selling at all. But now I do want to mention though, um, if you look at the, if you look at the trailer, uh, the very, very short trailer uh, that you mentioned, it does, it does say that they have a partnership with Vive on this which yeah. gives me some hope and that, i think um wasn't lenovo like the other partner lenovo is the other partner which i thought was a little bit odd i had never at least i hadn't heard about them wanting to get into the vr space before they well they're actually making a microsoft vr headset that's going to be about 300 dollars, and they've already um, yeah so they've been announced as as partners and uh, if you google it you'll see there's already you know there's prototypes that you can look at that are coming out uh, also later this year so yeah. uh fingers crossed uh you know uh you don't know this about me you help but i'm a big proponent of vr and you know i proselytize as much as i can so mm-hmm. i'm hoping this is the thing that maybe because the price point also wasn't mentioned so we don't know how expensive right, right. it's going to be um what do you think the magic price point for vr is 300 we've we've talked about this a lot Okay. We think three three hundred is anywhere between three and four. Yeah, is the kind of the magic price point for consumers. I think I so. Think so. Yeah, especially th- like console sales have conditioned people to yeah. to expect that. Yes. Well, yeah, and you see what happens every time a console comes out at like five or six hundred, that just doesn't sell. Yeah. Because people don't want to pay that much money for something like sure. that. Now VR could be different. VR could push it, and like if there if there be if a VR headset comes out that is like life-changing then yeah people pay five six hundred bucks for it but at this point like even people i've shown vr to are like oh that's really cool how much does it cost i'm like oh it costs this much for the headset and also you need like a two thousand dollar computer like (laughs) no no one is interested in that the 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 other aspect of it too it's it's like what kind of hardware they've gotten the price down of the computer portion of it like you could you could get away with like an eleven hundred dollar rig that's still if you don't already have that no one that's no true. That. That's Nobody fair. is doing that. That's fair. Unfortunately. Yeah, because at that point, then you're talking about you know spending your VR rig isn't three hundred bucks. You know, it's three hundred plus however much you need to spend on the mm-hmm. computer. Yeah. Right. So I mean, this thing's going to be standalone. So it's quite possible that uh, you know if they set it at the one fifty mark, if it's reasonably, that's the other thing, right? Where's the content coming from uh, on this device? Is it going to be primarily pulled from the Vive store or where glass. is it coming from? I'm sure it'll be glass. Glass? You mean Google yeah, Glass? They have Google glass. Yeah, because they, yeah, they, they have their own store. Do they? For VR stuff, yeah. yeah. I thought glass was dead, essentially. Like, is there, mm-hmm. I guess, for commercial stuff, maybe? Is it, It's called glass, isn't it? Or cardboard. Cardboard or glass? I don't know. They have no glass. Is that thing that like got mocked really, really? Glasses. Oh yeah, that was that was the augmented reality kind of. Yep, but they have their own. They have their own like app that you can download that's got a store in it. Like they have one made by Google. Interesting. It isn't the Play Store. It's a yeah. You're you're right. It's I don't remember what it's called either. But I thought it was glass, but yeah, it might not be. So, you know, I almost think like if the price point is so good that people buy it just because, oh, it's 150 bucks and I don't need any other hardware. And then if because maybe it's not very powerful, the, the games, maybe they don't suck, but it's just not what doesn't live up to people's expectations. Do you then risk Google kind of uh, tempering, you know, people's, you know, fervor for VR? Because right now, I mean, people that, you know, haven't even like used the 
you know, a VR headset lately, like they, they, they're still interested in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. no, There's a lot just... of interest from like, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of interest in the, uh, like passing interest in the consumer field where there's really a lot of interest though is in like investing firms and stuff. Those are the people who are really interested in VR right now because they are, hedging their bets on the fact that it is mm-hmm. going to go huge. Right, um, but I'm not, the, I'm not sure where the interest is at with the consumer market. I, 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 I think it's, I think the interest is there, man. Just people don't want to plop down a bunch of money. Yeah. My, my fear is like if Google or somebody else came out with an inexpensive, somebody with name brand recognition, because if some company you've never heard of releases a crappy VR headset, it's like, well, what, what else did you expect? You know, right. Google releases when people are going to be like, well, this is the best we can do right now. Eh, I'm not interested in this, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an exposure thing too. I mean, I've got friends that are way into video games and stuff that look at VR and they go, I don't see what's so special about it. And then I bring them over. Like I had a friend from Philly over the weekend. I brought him in and set him up in robo recall and he got to shoot and punch robots and rip their arms off and hit him in the head with it, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And he, he was immediately like, I need to get one of these. What do I need? Like, it was just <laughs> like the second he tried it, it was immediate sell. So it's an exposure thing because it's not a thing that advertises well. Yet it's a hard thing yeah. to demo, right? Because exactly. right. No demo because unless you have one, like, right. It's, right. but it is like, it's also the easiest thing to demo if you have one. Like, it's almost word of mouth. Yeah. Giving someone face on with a VR headset will explain to them what VR is and like explain how cool it is. Mm-hmm. But then, yeah, it's, hey, how do I get this? What do I need? And then you're like, well, what you need is an $1,100 computer. And they're like, oh, <laughs> well, no. What you need is a uh, crappy used car's worth of a uh, computer. Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Or like, hey, can you spare like a month of rent? And then <laughs> can you skip your house payment next month? Then you can have a computer that'll do this. Yeah, there you exactly. Go. It pays for itself. Um, it pays for itself in the long run. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so obviously uh, more details are going to be forthcoming soon. It's going to, you're going to, it's supposed to come out later this year. So uh, we'll keep everyone posted on this one uh, once more details emerge. Um, the next thing I want to talk about um Let's talk about Steam real quick, and then and then because I would, yeah, let's do Steam, and then we'll do Far Cry. Um, let me see where are we on time? Okay, we're a little tight. All right. So this Not is like we ever actually stick to a time frame. Anyways. I know, right? But I try. <laughs> I try so hard. You try. You do. You give it your best shot. Um, but it's just like when you have a good discussion going, you just want to. Yeah. Um. All right, so this is kind of crazy to me. I didn't realize this was a thing. This kind of blew my mind. So there are fake and, you know, like people people upload facetious games mm-hmm. to Steam so that they can create the uh, trading cards that are built into Steam. Yeah. And then they sell those cards to like they they the fake game generates fake cards for them which they then sell on the market and like most of these cards i don't know if you guys have ever done this sell for like 10 cents maybe yeah thereabouts mm-hmm. but just by sheer volume they're making money um and it's crazy to me uh so steam had to basically come up with an algorithm algorithm that would detect these kinds of games so that they can shut them down. It's like I'm doing things way wrong because I get annoyed every time I get a damn notification that says I have a new item in my inventory. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> yes. And I'm flabbergasted. I'm like, a new item for what? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. And then you open it up and there's some generic ass looking card there with a number next to it. And you're like, what the fuck is this even for? <laughs> the last thing I think about is selling it. The last, the, you know, I see the notification, I'm annoyed. Then I look at my library of games I'm never going to get to. And then I close Steam. Right. <laughs> Maybe it's a new type of passive income. In 20 years of using Steam, I'll have like $20,000 worth of those stupid fucking cards. Well, so, so. <laughs> At one point, several years ago, I would have like little bursts where I would get into it because the it's sort of like um, a system that feeds into itself. You only get five cards at most from playing a game, but most legit games have more than five cards. They have like, let's say seven. Right. 
Right. And then if you complete the set, you get stuff from Steam, like a wallpaper or an emoji or something else, which is also tradable. So you can then turn around and sell the wallpaper to someone else or sell the emoji and whatnot to other people. Um, it's weird. Um, every time they would have like a summer sale, they would have like mini games tied around the summer sale. Mm-hmm. And I would get I would get sucked into them for a little while. And then I'm like, then then I'm kind of like snap back to my senses. I'd be like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, <laughs> my life. This is, is this? this is so dumb. Why it's like I'm I... playing Pokemon Go. Yes, <laughs> it's exactly like that. <laughs> it's weird, but listen, it's crazy to me that someone has come up with a way to exploit the system. Like that's absolutely crazy. To me. You know what? It's crazy, and it's not crazy. Like I'm not surprised someone has found a way to exploit anything. What's crazy is that this system exists to be exploited to me. Like, but the right. fact that like someone out there is like, you look, Oh, there's a trading card for Joe's adventure. I've never heard of this game, but it must be legit. Cause it has a trading card. I'm just going to buy it. I guess. I mean, I, I don't get it. Weird. Really, really weird. Um, I, I guess that's all there is to say about it. I guess hey, so, so man. Steam's little marketplace like that is just kind of a weird microcosm of it's a weird micro community in in gaming. Like I remember some people were using it because you could you could in theory sell it across regions. Right. And some people were using it to uh take advantage of currency discrepancies. Mm-hmm. So they were buying it, buying the cards under one currency. Um, and then reselling it under a different currency and making the profit that way, basically. I, um, I can't imagine like explaining this to myself like when I was seven years old and I got an <laughs> NES. Like, like, hey, in the future, this is what video games are going to be. <laughs> be virtual trading cards. In the future, somebody will sell cards based on the video game. Oh, like cards? Well, they're not real cards. They're just <laughs> digital. <laughs> they're imaginary pictures that you see like, on this big screen, kind of like your TV. It's funny because it would sound like the last thing you would want. I, I and, mean, I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 36. Like, as a child playing an NES, I'd be like, well, why the hell would I want that? <laughs> no, no. It's, we're, it's, we're all in that great. range, so but, I, um, I, I get what you're saying. I get where you're coming from. But don't get me wrong. There's, like, digital crap that I buy and I, like, get that. That ultimately is meaningless, you know? But uh, it, it's just amazing how, like... I don't know, gaming and uh, the internet just in general has changed like our mindset over like what has value and what doesn't, right. what's worth our time and what isn't. Mm. You know, very true. Very true. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's still, it's, I'm still kind of, it's still kind of blowing my mind that this is a thing. But uh, unfortunately, we do have to keep it moving. Um, and this next story, I really want to talk about. So. It's it's and it's kind of uncommon for us. We usually don't talk about uh, specific games, but in this instance, we are. So, uh, Far Cry Five, uh, the the has been announced. The trailer has Far been Cry released. America Edition, right? And it has launched all sorts of controversy and uh, discussion. Uh, so some people are saying, well, it's not Far Cry because it's not set in an exotic location where most of the other games are set. Um, and the other interesting thing is it's obviously a game based on Americans fighting other Americans. And I was trying to rack my brains, and there's not only are there very few games that deal with current events, like uh, Modern Warfare kind of uh, dealt with current sort of events uh uh, this war of mine but very rarely is there a game where it's americans versus other americans i thought that was really interesting so i wanted to sort of toss out that question out there of um do you think the market is going to to embrace this like i've already seen petitions to cancel the game and stuff um it's a really ballsy move and i was i was curious here's, here's what i think I think anyone saying that this game is trying to say anything about like the current presidential administration or anything doesn't understand how game development cycles work. Yeah, because this game has been in development for years. Exactly, exactly. This game's been in development for years. So I think it's a happy coincidence for this you. This is more something. likely saying something about like Waco, Texas. Or yeah, like the Branch Division. Koresh, Koresh yeah. was the first thing I thought of yeah. when, I saw, when I read about this game. Mm. 
I, I think it's a happy coincidence for Ubisoft. And I mean, I guess time will tell if it's smart or not for them to try to take advantage of their marketing in this way. And like, you know, obviously there's a lot of like upheaval right now politically and, and, and unrest in the country. So right. only only time will tell, you know what I mean? You know that old saying, cat controversy creates cash or however that goes. Well, yeah, know? and that's the other thing, right? Like ask anyone who works at Rockstar, like, hey, how did all that controversy work out for your game sales? And they'll just laugh all the way to the bank. Like, yeah, yeah, that's one thing I think about. But I also think about something that actually has more of a parallel to this, which was Battlefield Hardline. Does anybody remember that? Yeah. The yeah. name rings a bell. I don't remember... What was that? The, uh... That had similar undertones where uh, conservative Americans were kind of this uh, like independent militia and they were the enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was kind of similar outcry about that, but uh, that game didn't do well. Um, and I don't know if it was because of the outcry or because the <laughs> game was terrible, but um, I mean, it, it's very similar in that way. I doubt it was because of the outcry. Like, yeah, me too. It's like making, making like, fundamentalist white people the enemy is is not going to really do much for you in like the gaming sphere like the gaming sphere is largely dominated like most of entertainment by like young liberals basically like but like from what i saw in the trailer and a couple things like i i I saw like they had like a a black character that was one of the priests i think yeah Yeah, so i I don't think that it's going to be like these are white fundamentalists per se no, I think it's just that, like, I say white in the term of, like, it is a, like, quote-unquote, like, white Christianity cult, like, you know, Heaven's Chosen or whatever. Like, not that every single member of the congregation has to be white, but it is that, like, stereotypical, you know, white Christianity, if you will. Well, and I mean, what's 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 appropriate to use as an enemy anymore in video games? Because you can't use, you know, Middle Easterners, you can't use right. Africa, you can't, because then there's an outcry over that, you know what I mean? So... It's like the only thing that seems to be okay to attack are like white middle class guys. Like, <laughs> right, and these guys and this, like, well, but these guys are not white middle class guys. I mean, lot, they're, yeah, these are these are rural, rural right. uh, very religious. Conservative. Oh well, yeah, but you know, and, you know and, what I'm saying. And I suspect with the fact that they have like a, in some of their media stuff that they've put out, like for the for the press, like that they have like a black character that's prominently like a priest or involved with them in some way. I suspect that it's it's going to be like a Pretty, I shouldn't say pretty diverse, but a somewhat diverse mix. Cast, yeah. I, I, I think they probably again because of the development cycle that it, how long it takes to develop a game, they like planned it probably thinking of diversity in mind. You know, oh for sure. So like, if they started developing the game now and they really wanted to take advantage of some controversy, they probably would make it all white. You know. Yeah, exactly. Like that's again, it's. Uh... Like, the Far Cry games have been good for a while. Like, there hasn't really been, like, a, oh, this game sucks, fucking Far Cry. Like, you know, even the games that people had problems with, uh, it was still kind of like, you know, the games turn out good, and that's ultimately what is usually going to decide sales in the video game market. Like, And this is the first one that's interested me in a while. Uh, Far Cry 3 was great. I was not interested in Far Cry 4 at all. I didn't play 4 either. I mean, it was um, more of the same. Like, if you liked 3, it was a fun game, but it was literally just, like, the same thing. It was just, so, like, a reskin, basically, yeah. as far as I could tell. I, I mean, thing. there's certainly a lot more buzz about this one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, so mm-hmm. I think that this is going to be an interesting sort of litmus test because uh, this game just sort of... The trailer dropped, what, over the weekend? Like mm-hmm. it just yeah, just happened. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like the more um, the actual religious people in this country don't really know about it yet. Like it hasn't reached right. them. <laughs> um, so I feel like we're going to see more controversy and we're going to see the pot stirred uh, quite a bit as the game gets closer and closer to release. And it'll be interesting to see what that so does. Literally as soon as a piece about that, like, as soon as a piece about this goes up on Fox News, I guarantee you the pre-orders go through the roof. Like, yeah. well, and, and two, if they can nail the tone that they're going for, I think it could be really successful because oh, yeah. U- Ubisoft has kind of failed in nailing tone in their games lately. Um, but I, I think if they Watch can Dogs nail the tone... wasn't so bad. Watch Dogs 2 was... It was okay, good. but like Tom Clancy's uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands... That that game had a really weird tone. Oh yeah, yeah, I heard that one's bad. And then yeah, For Honor's tone got a little muddled there for a little while, and the crew isn't very good either. Um, so they just haven't been very good at nailing tone. So you're saying uh, that they that they need a hit? Yeah, no? I think if they can nail the tone, they can make this a hit. Hmm. 
Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Like, yeah. uh, it really is going to be all about like getting that, like, you know, for want of a better term, that deliverance feel mm-hmm. of like, you know, backwoods America where anything can happen. I think it'll be, it'll be an interesting one to track. Cause I mean, obviously like the gameplay and mechanics are probably going to be very good. Like we can pretty much guarantee that based on the last few Far Cry games. Well, so and this is be- fair. I'm sorry, okay. go ahead. No, go go ahead. I was just saying, uh, to be fair, other than saying, oh, it's Americans against Americans, like, there's the, the trailer doesn't reveal a lot. Uh, Dan Hay, mm-hmm. the executive producer, he's, like, being real coy, you know, and, like, trying to, like, be mysterious. Like, I suspect the game isn't really that controversial if you, once you play it. I, I suspect I'm it's sure a it probably isn't. generic, um, you know, cult, you know, a la David Koresh, you know, back in Texas, uh, with excellent, like, gameplay. I suspect that's probably what it is. And nothing more. Well, so he, so that's that's what I'm really curious about is how much of this is Ubisoft going to be selling the controversy, and how much of it will be interesting and new gameplay that you know feel, will feel fresh. Because if I'm hunting a cougar instead of hunting a lion, it's the same fucking shit, right? I'm still gonna mm-hmm. you know aim the sights and shoot it, and then I press E to skin it, and then I'll make an ammo pouch. Like whoopty freaking do, I've done that. It's not interesting to me anymore. Um, so it's like, what else you got, Ubisoft? We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so I think that that is all of our regular stories. We have two very, we have two what the fuck stories. I'm only going to do one just for the sake of time because I really want to talk about wrestling with gaming. Um, so this is kind of interesting to me. Uh, well, so normally we do like things that are really fucked up about gaming, but this is this is one of the few cute feel good stories uh, that we've ever had, which I like. Um, interesting, uh, and it has to do with Minecraft. So apparently, uh, Minecraft, you can have uh, parrots in the game. And you're supposed to feed the parrots cookies. That was the game mechanic. To keep the parrots alive, you have to give them cookies. Uh, Someone spoke up and mentioned that if you give cookies to actual parrots in real life, they will die. Shouldn't give them cookies. So uh, Mojang actually listened, and they're going to be updating it to uh, give the the birds something else. I don't think they announced what it was yet. But but it's not not cookies. Not cookies. Rice. They'll give them rice. Seed. <laughs> rice. <laughs> Something. But but it's a it's really interesting that someone said this is a cultural touchstone for children. Children will play this, mm-hmm. and then they'll see a parrot, and they'll try giving the parrot cookies, and it makes sense to me. Um, yeah. And and then it's going to be a bad time when that parrot like drops dead. So. It made sense to me too, man. Like, I mean, you hear so much about like people complaining about like, you know, just the dumbest little fiddly things in games. Like, oh, that's going to be make this guy do this to, you know, their neighbor, kill them, do this or whatever. This is like one of the few times that I've like read someone's, I wouldn't even say it. It's not even a complaint. It's just a, what should have been a very obvious like observation. You know, it's just like, I don't think anyone there has parrots. I just, that would be my assumption. <laughs> no one at Mojang has parrots. They're just like, like created. They have dogs and cats. They don't keep parrots. Parrots are a pain in the ass to keep. Oh, them. parrots. I think you said parents. Like, no, like, no. Like, parrots. like they, were, they don't have parrots. <laughs> <laughs> like they're not biological offspring. But yeah, I like it. I think it's good. Yeah. For sure. Um, what was the what were the comments that we got? Because I was not I was not following it. So what were the Lance? Well, if you if you have an eye on it, what were the comments that we were getting? Oh, hey, hey, if you're talking about this stuff from YouTube, it was just a historic nerd comment something about Lenovo being associated with uh, IBM. Oh, and, uh, about the Far Cry stuff. He so he mentioned uh, about far cry and he made a pun about far cry from the truth and that's what i said well so he's a guy you actually you, you might want to check out his channel he um he does so he has a degree in gaming uh, not a degree in gaming wow a degree in history nice um, but so he does his channels a mix of like retrospectives on history on gaming and like movie reviews but um everything he does especially the gaming stuff he like tends to like tie it to some historical event or this and that and it, it's really very very well done so 
Anyways, I I I was like, uh, man, I wish he was here for the Far Cry discussion because he would probably have like a lot of little tidbits to add to it. We we will have you on the show. I haven't spoken to you, but we'll do it. Um, but speaking of history, um, that's why we have you on the show, Yael, uh, to talk about your YouTube channel. And I came across it uh, on Reddit, actually. Someone okay. posted uh, your history of the 3DO. Okay. Um, I don't remember which subreddit it was, but it made it to the front page. I saw it. I was like, this stuff is phenomenal. Thanks, man. And I reached out and was like, we got to have you on the show. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so uh, your YouTube channel is Wrestling With Gaming. Right. Uh, let's start with the name. Why Why Wrestling With Gaming? All right, I'll give you, I'll give you the short version. So um, that channel used to just be for my uh, professional wrestling matches. So I went and I trained to become a professional wrestler. Okay. So, if you go back far enough into history, like you'll find like these like professional these wrestling matches at indie shows and stuff. And then I said, and then I as I I've started to wrestle less and less. I wanted to like have some kind of gaming content. And like every other moron, I was I shouldn't say moron, but like a lot of other people, I I say moron because I was a moron about it. Um, I decided to do like let's. We Bruce. were all morons once. It's fine. Well, I decided Most of us still are. Yeah, yeah. And I I just wasn't very. I was okay at it I, at best. I would say. And then one day I I had heard about the story of bleem and um or read about bleem and i had never heard of it when it came out and i was like this is so interesting like and there's like I, I saw lgr's video on bleem but outside of that there was nothing and his video i think was like six or seven years ago mm. so i'm like oh let me just make a video on it and uh, maybe it'll bring some people to watch my crappy let's plays uh <laughs> and then uh from there i like people really like that so i made another one and it just kind of went on from there and i couldn't just leave my channel name like being like my wrestling name so which was london vice so then i just needed to wrestling with gaming so that way i could still like upload occasional matches but still like mostly do gaming stuff very cool and so most of your content um most of your gaming content focuses on more historical context mm -hmm. stuff so you have uh some really great videos here um the ones i highly recommend story of 3do yeah you really go in depth on that one which i love it's a it's a solid 20 minute video and you know, like most YouTube marketing people will tell you to keep your videos seven to eight minutes. I, even I say that to people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I appreciate the fact that you made it 20 minutes and you really drilled down into uh, what the 3DO was, what makes it tick, uh, why it failed. And it's just super entertaining. I also uh, loved the uh, making of Superman 64 video as oh, well because... Cool. Uh, I mean, how many, I, I actually experienced it firsthand, how the awfulness of Superman 64. Yeah. Um, did Jay, have you, Josh, have you had the pleasure? Oh yeah. <laughs> so like, <laughs> like, one, it's like one of those, uh, those rites of passage, right? Right. Like, yeah. 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 So I just to see, like, especially if you're someone who's really interested in, you know, history of gaming or even like mm -hmm. game design, like to understand what actually makes a game bad, like, yeah. Yeah, like 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 sometimes you just like play a game and you're like, why? Yeah. Like like like, like there'll be a party like, why? How? Who said this was okay? And then somebody else saw that and said, Yeah, it is okay. Like, like it's not just <laughs> it's never just one person, you know, really right. deciding. You know, I mean, in some rare cases, but yeah, man, the Superman 64 video, I was just like one day like, why why is this game so bad? <laughs> like, cause somebody had to be like put their heart and soul into it, you know. And uh, it was really, it, it was really interesting, man. And I, I don't mention it in the video, but I actually reached out to Warner Brothers um, to see if like they had any comment because the guys from uh, Titus Software, you know, they've always like kind of blamed Warner Brothers. Although when you look at it, like Titus had their own, you know, blame uh, to blame. And Warner Brothers, of course, I mean, they didn't comment. They were probably like Superman, what? Like, you know, <laughs> they they never replied back to me. But I don't know, man. It, it's crazy. I I mostly cover. Um, somebody pointed out, and I, it wasn't by design, but like failures. In um in gaming history, well, failures are more interesting than successes. I think I, I agree. And like the last few videos, like um like the 3DO video and the um, Super FX chip video, I've been trying to like concentrate a little bit more on the people behind it because you know, like I said, that was somebody like thought they were going to put their kids to college with this idea, or they were going to like you know branch us off into something else. And I don't know. It's it's just interesting how like the best of intentions, especially in the video game industry, just somehow. Get like turn into absolute utter shit sometimes. 
Yeah. And and the thing is, the history of gaming is littered with corpses. There's way more failures in video mm-hmm. games by far than successes. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's true of any artistic endeavor. Like yeah. that's fair. You look that's you fair. look at anything, but gaming is gaming is interesting because it's so well chronicled. Like and like because it you know started at a time where people were you know already you know interested well, in chronicling things. Like well, that's the thing. I don't. It's chronic. I I don't know that it's well chronicled in the sense that um, there's probably a lot of source material. That's what I'm saying. Like, but in terms of how many people actually know about gaming history, I don't think it's that many. So, no, I don't think it's. I'm not saying it's common knowledge. I'm saying that if you want that knowledge, it is readily available for you. I, I I will say you're mostly right, and in most cases it is. And but in other cases it isn't. Like when I that 3DO video was supposed to be a video about the Atari Jaguar. And you can find tons of details about, you know, release dates, about its specs, and a couple of marketing things. But you really can't find, or at least I, I wasn't able to find much about the people behind it, what their thinking was, why they made certain decisions. Um, so, you know, the Jaguar was notoriously difficult to program for. Everybody says says that developers say that, but you can't find anybody involved with the Jaguar that has explained why, mm. um, which is ultimately why I dropped it because ulti- I, I didn't want to sit there and just. Uh, list specs and games that you know quote unquote sucked for it you know for 10 minutes because there's a, you can find lots of other videos that do that so it's weird um even with the power glove man like i find out tons of information on it but things that you would think would be readily available like uh the japanese um release of it was done by pax you think you'd be able to find out lots about pax a japanese company who got robo a robocop tie-in you can't find out barely anything about them that's interesting. Well, I was going to ask you. Tell us a little bit about your process. I mean, how are you? How are you gathering the information? So it it varies. Um, I have a list of about fifty topics or so that I want to get to, but I haven't. I, I, I maybe half my videos have come from that. Um, a lot of times, it'll branch off from me. Like uh, while I'm researching researching a video, I'll peripherally find out like about um, another thing. And uh, a lot, a lot of YouTubers like kind of just like that do what I do, kind of like just like quote Wikipedia, mm. uh, which and I don't. I'm gonna catch some flack for this. I don't think that's a bad place to start. It's a, but you should never quote anything from it. It's a good place to like get some resources because you, you know you, you can get some references from it, but then you have to build off of that. So mm. what I use a lot is uh, Google Books. There's a lot of um, video game history books that are archived on there. Mm. A lot of people have like done scans. Um, oh man, on archive.org, there's a bunch of like yeah. retro game magazine scans. I mean, it takes time, man. Like the 3DO video was the first one that I actually like about halfway through it. I started like just chronicling my, uh, my sources and I only put up like 17 of them. There's probably about half of them. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of basically just start reading and reading as much as I can about it. It's, it's like writing a research paper for school. The only difference is I don't necessarily know what I'm going to report on. So mm-hmm. as I'm reading this stuff. I might say, okay, I want to talk about the 3DO, but I didn't think, for example, I would talk so much about Trip Hawkins when I was researching it. You know, I didn't realize he was such a like uh, magnetic personality within the video game industry. I didn't know about the stuff he's doing now, or that that he's a professor now. You know, mm. um, so what I try to like find is like a a story to tell, um, so it's not just regurgitating information. Because I don't know, man. Especially if the video is going to be over ten minutes. Like if I'm watching. A channel that I've never seen before, and they've got like a video that's over ten minutes. Like they, there better be like something like kind of. I hate to use this, the term "stringing me along," but there better better be a thread to follow rather than just right. You know, here's the spec, here's the spec, here's this date, here's the spec. All right, now it now and then it went out of business or whatever. The end. Hmm. So it, it really varies from video to video. Um, the Star Fox video that one was, I loved. Uh, or I'm sorry, not Star Fox, the Super FX chip video. I loved Star Fox as a kid. Like, mm. I was blown away. And I was so happy when it came out because my my buddy, my best friend was like a Sega head. So he had like Sega CD, he had all this cool stuff that like, and I was like, what's Nintendo doing? These <laughs> you know, and then it was something I could Which run. Which is a question we're still asking ourselves today. Oh, Very true. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay. Um, here's a, 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 like when Star Fox came out, somebody could rub in his face. And the, as soon as I like started reading about the Super FX chip and I read, um, okay, Argonaut Games was run by a 23-year-old who basically kind of like on a, just randomly said to Nintendo, yeah, we'll make a chip for you. And the guy that designed Star Fox was 18, 
but he was hired by this company at 16. It's kind of like, okay, holy shit, that's crazy. Mm. You know, there's there's a story there about like, thank you, about these kids that like basically revolutionized and extended the life of the Super Nintendo. You know, it, it's absolutely insane. So. I'm doing a terrible job of answering your question about my process. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, it's very entertaining though. So it's okay. It just varies, man. It just varies, man. Like th- th- there's been some videos that I've, I've, I wouldn't say I've hated doing, but like the, uh, the one on rare because the history of rare is so long and I love rare, but man, towards the end of it, when like not a lot's happening at mm. the end of, you know, rares life. I mean, they're still around obviously, but it got kind of boring and I was like, Oh God, I'm just regurgitating information. They're slow drift into obscurity. Yes. And it's kind of watching it before our eyes. I know maybe, maybe sea of pirates or whatever it is, is going to be like a crazy, super amazing success, but it looks cool, but uh, (laughs) yeah, it's going to be, that'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting one to see if that, that (laughs) for us. It it hasn't demoed well to to the journalists and stuff that have talked about it. So, it's I, a big gamble, I think, for them. Yeah. Uh, I, I, for sure. I agree. I, I will say what's been the and cut me off anytime I'm talking too much, but what's been the most interesting because I never wanted to I never set out to do like a gaming history channel, I just kind of fell into it once people started liking the videos. And I enjoy doing them, obviously, or I wouldn't do them because it's a it's weird, man. It's like it's probably a lot like 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 your podcast, you know, it's a pain in the ass to get guests, get everything coordinated get the technical stuff, get everything set up, research the articles, the topics you want to talk on. But then once you finally do it and the finished product is out there, it's like you have this level of satisfaction, you know? Um, even if people don't like it, just that people want to feel like they need to engage with it, you know? So it's, it's the same for like for like these gaming hi- history videos that I do. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I want to say real quick, do you have a uh, Patreon or something where people can... No. Uh, <laughs> no. Not yet. I don't know. We'll see if it happens. I only have like 2,500 subscribers, man. I don't, I don't think that's For now. Man, we'll now see. that you appear in our show, it's going to be... You'll have 2,504 subscribers. <laughs> yeah. Easily? Easily. Um, but I was going to say this. Uh, so obviously, when it comes to the history of video games, it's there's two aspects to it. Uh, two central aspects to it. One is obviously game archival. Archival. Mm-hmm. So basically like preserving old games so that mm-hmm. we could play them. Um, and I feel like uh, we're starting to see that uh, become more and more of a thing. I, I see it sort of as a topic cropping up more and more within the consciousness of the gaming public. Um, and we're also starting to see uh, like some video game museums opening up. There's more of them. Uh, I think I think there's like three in the US. It could be, there's at least two. I don't know. There's, I'd one have in, to... there's one in Texas. I don't there's know. One there's one in Texas. There's one in New York. There's by Rochester. There's one about an hour and a half from me, but like nobody knows about it. Oh well, why don't you tell us what it is? And... I mean, it's it's not great. Oh, that's why nobody knows. Well, that's why nobody knows about it. <laughs> they, they mostly like do like uh like old arcades, but you can okay. go and play them, and they, they keep them up. Uh, but so the other the other sort of piece of the puzzle is kind of what you're doing, which is more of like the history of the companies and the people behind the games and, and who came up with these ideas and stuff. Um, do you feel like they're equally important? Do you feel, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask this to the group. Do you guys feel they're equally important that we need both pieces of the puzzle? Um, do you feel like there's still a lot of work to be done in, in one or the other or both? Um, because I, I think what escapes us a lot of the time is video gaming isn't new anymore. Like, we're essentially what 50 years old yeah pretty yeah, much yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. about 50 years old that's mm. crazy like think about movies where we where you know your first silent movies are coming out in 1907 or 1912 yep. some somewhere in that ballpark and where we were important to think about with that though is that like movies are still pretty much recognizable as movies like so, so you go back to whatever, 1910, and era of silent films or whatever, and you show someone like, probably not Transformers because in their head would just explode, but like you show someone, uh, I don't know. The what's Notebook. That? Yeah, The, the notebook. notebook. Or even uh, that movie about the, the NASA scientist that came out this year. Um, you, show one of those, 
yeah, hidden figures. You show them something like that. Oh, in 1910, their heads would probably explode too, because for other reasons. But yes, the point is, you show them movies of like you know people talking or telling a story. They'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, I get that. That's weird mm-hmm. that you know it's in color and you can capture people speaking. But I understand that this is a movie. If you showed a kid who was just playing pong, like modern warfare, he would literally just go into a coma for a kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, his brain would not be able to fucking process. Yeah. He wouldn't even yeah. be able to recognize it as a video game compared to Pong. Like, it's a good you know point. Well, I mean, like, you got to start somewhere, too. I mean, we lost a lot of the silent films that were developed yeah. way back in the day, but they were basically stage productions that just happened to have a camera on them. Right, exactly. So, so it was a lot different than film today because film today is so dynamic. No, it's different than film today, but I'm saying, like, you can recognize, like, someone would recognize, like, oh, these are the, the same framework, movie. is I think what Jay is saying. These are, yeah. th- these are both movies. Like, I think people just starting to play Pong would, like, not have that same recognition of, like, oh, World of Warcraft is exactly the same as Pong. It's the same. Yeah, thing. Like, no, you're 100% right. Because even if you take like, the crappiest, like, 3D first person game on Itch.io or whatever yeah. and show it to somebody playing Pong, they'd, they'd be like, what the hell is this? You right. Know? They would be absolutely shocked. I, to, to answer your question, though, I, I think game preservation really is more important than, like, right now than the game history aspect. Because, I mean, you, you see, like, I, I think the reason why there's this sudden rush to, like, because it, it, it seems like in the last five years or so, it's been this like rush to like preserve like cartridge games, because you know people are afraid of uh, you know them degrading. You know, yeah. So right. I, I I think that stuff's more important. Um, the game history aspect is it's cool, but like let's face it, like what percentage of gamers are really interested in learning like the minutia of like the people behind it? You know, right? Like, well, like, I mean, what percentage well, of gamers are actually interested in? buying up old car or like playing old cartridge games too, i mean that's right? like saying what percentage of people are interested in documentaries and i would say a fair amount of people are, are interested in documentaries but, I, but I, would, I would argue that people that like people will always be nostalgic for like whatever that's was true. in their youth so that's what i mean like I, I could see somebody like being interested in spending 20 minutes playing a game that they played on the NES battle toads or something but don't necessarily want to watch they it. remember how difficult it was and shitty it was. That happened to me two weeks ago. I streamed Battletoads, uh, and I almost deleted my channel. Uh, I was so frustrated. <laughs> I was so, <laughs> so angry. I didn't play for like almost 30 years. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but, uh, you know, but, you know, like somebody might be more apt. Maybe, maybe that wasn't a good example. Somebody might be more apt to play Super Mario World, you know, yes. for, for 20 minutes than they would be to watch a 10-minute video on the making of Super Mario World. You know, I don't know about that anymore because I, the the names in games have become so big, right? Like the people who produce the games have become like these pop culture icons. You have, you know, very few of them though. But very modern, few. and that's more modern games, like old games. Who, who's big from like uh, Miyamoto? Who else like from the eighties or? Well, I mean, like uh, people get really interested when you get into that stuff, like Nolan yeah. Bushnell and. Cliff, uh, Cliff, yeah, Cliff, Cliff people, is new though. I would say Nolan North. More people would be interested in Nolan North than well, they would be in. Well, Cliff was that pivot point into kind of modern games, right? Him, yeah. and, him and John Carmack were kind Carmack, of Carmack. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like all of the people at Nintendo, which have made gaming really popular since yeah. the Atari drop off, everybody wants to know everything they can about all those people. It, it just it, like the producers and the people who are the creatives have become a lot more popular. But then we, it would have been in the Nintendo age, you know? I mean, I would agree with you in the sense that, like, people that I know that are into gaming, like, share your sentiment, and I do too. But the average consumer who wanted to just buy an NES Classic to play Zelda or something mm-hmm. for, like, 10 minutes because they played it when they were a kid, do they care who Tom Bushnell is? I, they, I'm no. sorry, Tom Kalinske is. You know, do they care about Miyamoto? I no, hard I mean, agree on that. that. Like the average consumer does not. Yeah, the average consumer. I also don't think the average consumer like is particularly invested in game preservation. Anyways, it's like you said, they're invested in Zelda being preserved. But yeah, and, in, in but terms of gonna, all the yeah, yeah, in terms of all the marketing material and the actual yeah. cartridge and stuff. I, that I do think though, now, as time goes on a little bit more. Like we're gonna see like that. Th- those two sides kind of come together from the casual, like oh, I just want to play this game for like 10, 20 minutes or whatever that I played as a kid, to like the people that are interested in the minutia, the history of it. I think they're gonna kind of merge together though over time. I, I I will play devil's advocate here and say that gaming is a massive market and a lot a lot of people play video games and have been playing video sure. games. Uh, for the last 50 years. Um, 
And I think specifically those that started in the 80s, which I think is pretty much us, uh, or late 80s, early 90s in my case, um, would probably be the ones, the target audience. Because I don't, I, yeah, like most people probably don't care about the creator of Pac-Man or something like that, but, um, or Centipede or any of the sort of big arcade hits of the late 70s, early 80s. Um, probably not, but once you, once you had more, uh, once you actually had like a story to tell Mm -hmm. within the game, you know, so like the people behind Final Fantasy one, I could see a documentary about that or, or Dragon Quest or, you know, uh, the, the first, the first RPGs, the first wizardry, the first, uh, Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think like in like, especially now that so many, you know, especially AAA titles, they get a lot of like Hollywood uh, names to do the voice acting. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think like in 10 years or so, you're going to see a lot of people more interested in the making of a game or the history mm-hmm. behind the game, because there'll be actors that they grew up watching that they'll be attached to. And then they'll be more apt to sit there and like, that's an interesting point. I, I didn't consider that. I will say that probably the average person doesn't like won't sit through a Kojima documentary. I don't think that will happen. Yeah, well, but, I mean, because they're losers. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, if I don't know, I don't. I don't think they would seek out a Kojima documentary. But I think if you showed a Kojima documentary to someone, they'd be like, "What the fuck is this? I need to finish this. <laughs> who, who is this who is this person? Yeah. He's a millionaire. <laughs> like, I think you get a lot, a lot of mileage out of. I, a I do, documentary blind showing it to people. I, I do think that what we'll see is documentaries that focus on companies rather than mm-hmm. uh, singular figures. So we'll definitely see more stuff about Atari, more stuff about Nintendo, Sega, et cetera, et cetera. I remember hearing that there's going to be a movie with like Seth Rogen and someone else about the early uh, the the console. war between Nintendo and Sega in the nineties. Yeah, so it's yeah. gonna be based on console wars, which console I actually yes. I actually use have used that a couple of times uh, as a reference guide. It's an awesome book. That's all I have to say about it. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, like for example, uh, Ready Player One is yeah. about to come out, mm-hmm. and you're gonna it's gonna enter the zeitgeist, right? And I think it's uh, more and more people are gonna. And embrace their inner video game nerd, perhaps. Yeah, I still think that movie has got to be a licensing nightmare. Oh, oh yeah. God, yeah. Can you imagine? Like, oh, Jesus. It's true. What it's do you guys think about these, uh, these like gaming bars that are popping up, like these barcades? I love oh, them. So, so they, I went they have them. them here in New York City. They're fantastic. Uh, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went to one that's local here. It's, I don't know if I should say the name of it because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but uh, there's one that's in Gilbert, uh, Arizona, and I went up there and like they spray painted all the windows black to make it dark in there, and then you walk in and it smells like dank nerd, and it's just it's fucking horrible. And I don't know what they're like other places, but the the one here is god awful. The one I went to was in uh, was in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. It's called the EXP Bar, and it was the opposite of that experience. It was very nice. Uh, very well lit. Uh, did not smell like dank nerd. Uh, <laughs> had smelled like delicious food. Uh, had a lot of like arcade cabinets and consoles and everything that you could like do mess around. It was a it was a smaller bar, like it was pretty small. Um, but they had really high quality food and really high quality video games. And the owners were like very clearly invested in actually making it a thing. See, I need yeah, to move so to Canada. There's 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 a one in. Well, there's one, when I say one, there's sort of like a mini franchise within New York City called Barcade that has multiple locations and different locations have different machines in them. Yeah. Um, so the uh, I frequent, no, I don't want to say frequent, but I've gone several times to the one that has the most 90s era machines. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not brightly lit, but it's not dark. It's sort of like a pleasant bar environment. The beer is fantastic there. The food is good. All the machines are a quarter. Um I just I have a ball there. So see, definitely. I need to find the good places, but there's no good place in Arizona. I swear. I mean, there you're. That's a completely true sentence. There is no good place <laughs> in Arizona. Oh, <laughs> there's no no part of the state. You it's set yourself all, up for that one, Josh. That's true. That's true. Just the nightmare. You Arizona's walked into also that. so bad. <laughs> 
I mean, except it's 120 degrees outside right now. I was going to say, yeah, except the fact that you can't go. Well, I mean, I guess that makes it okay for gaming. Like, well, I can't go outside anyways since I play video games all day. I yeah, always say burn in the sun. So, yeah, I always say that the summer is our winter. Like everybody else in the winter in the rest of the nation holds up and we hole up in the summer. So, mm-hmm. that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, whatchamacallit? Uh, Yahel, where can people find you? Tell people. Um, you can find me on uh, YouTube, obviously, at Wrestling with Gaming. Um, I think there's another guy that goes by Wrestling with Gaming, but he hasn't uploaded a video in like 10 years or something. Fuck that so, dude. so yeah, um, he has like a purple weird logo or whatever. Mine's my face with my cat sitting up here. So it's very majestic. Um, yes, yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. I too. Uh, <laughs> Just, he's asleep over there. So I'm yeah, my that cat's over here hanging out, and I got a couple other ones around. But uh, yeah, find me there um, on Twitter at Wrestles Gaming. Pretty sure that's my Twitter handle. He's asleep. Ah. Yeah, mine's over here. I'm surprised she hasn't bothered me. Um, but yeah, Twitter Wrestles Gaming or YouTube Wrestling with Gaming. Um, I try to reply to every YouTube comment like a weirdo. Um, <laughs> people are. <laughs> It's it's uh, getting a little Brave. more difficult, which is a good problem to have. But I still try to reply to everyone I can, um, and reaching out to me via Twitter, like so, few people do. So like, it's if you really want to get a hold of me, that's probably the easiest way to do it. I'll definitely reply there. And uh, you have an upcoming uh, your new video is coming up soon. It's all about the power glove. Uh, when is that dropping? Yeah, it was a good question. Uh, <laughs> it was supposed to drop like two weeks ago. So I keep finding out just more tidbits about it. And uh, his, a gaming historian has a great video on the power glove, yeah, he um, does. which I, I want to just like choke him for, just, just kill him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, have a wrestling match with him. Yeah, I think I can at least take him on there. Oh, you uh, can take it. Yeah, so you can I, take Norm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've only talked to him one time, and we like it was before he cut his hair, and we just like had a back and forth about our hair. Uh, that's the uh, that's what you discussed. That's yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a super nice dude too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though he's, he he was a sweetheart to me the, the, when I briefly talked to him. But um, anyways, uh, <laughs> so it, it's gonna be about the power glove. So I'm obviously some of the stuff is gonna overlap in what he covered. But um, I've I've gone back and rewritten a little bit of the script, um, just because I want to cover some new stuff and I've been finding new stuff. So anyways, to answer your question, in about a week, it should not be more than a week. A week. All right. Well, we'll all of us here are going to be waiting. Well, at least I will be waiting. As long as you are. Brad, as long yes. As you are. Yes. That, I'm looking matter. forward to this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find out all the juicy tidbits about it. So make sure you check out Wrestling With Gaming on YouTube. Uh, and I think that is it for us this week. That is all the show we have for you. As always, hit like, subscribe, thumbs up, and uh, let us know what you think at, at Pack Podcast. Uh, until next time, I have been your host, Michael Schluger. Josh Irwin. Jay Rich. And that's right it. Now, and I'm your hell. <laughs> Have a great <laughs> gaming. Push a lot of keys for us. We will see you next time. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks! Assemble!